0: We were not born in sin. When I heard these words from John Philip Newell, I sat up and listened. I paid close attention all Friday evening and Saturday morning. John Philip continued by talking about how the process of creation, every artist leaves a portion of themselves in the item they create. The potter in his pot, the painter in her watercolors, The builder in his house. Even the cabinet maker leaves a bit of herself in her cabinet. God created everything in this world. Thus, a bit of God remains in each one of us. John Philip Newell asserted that if we look closely, we can see that bit of God in each other. He further said, It is our job to seek this in each other. I was so impressed. Later in his lecture on Friday night, John Philip told of the experience of the birth of his first grandchild. He had waited patiently for the birthing process. When the child was only an hour old, he had the opportunity to hold her. I knew that if I looked closely into her eyes, I would see the image of God. As I held her and stared into her eyes, I was so surprised. I saw God looking at me. John Philip Newell said this was a surprising and unsettling experience for him. The Reverend Dr. John Philip Newell is internationally recognized for his work in the field of Celtic spirituality. This February, he taught from his recent book, The Birth, Rebirthing of God. This was part of a series of lectures brought to Ashland by a group of local churches, including This Church. As I left the sanctuary that Friday evening, I was so blessed. I had to tell each person I encountered about my feeling of empowerment. I enjoyed the previous speakers in this series. Marcus Borg has been a great teacher about being a Christian. Donna Butler Bass led us through how to do church in the world today. But John Philip Newell gave me tools that I can use. I can do this, I said. The session on Saturday took a slightly different direction. But again, at the end of the morning, I knew I had been given strong, useful tools that I would use in my life. Again on the way out of here, I exclaimed to anyone who could listen, I can do this. I went home for lunch where I talked to my son, Colin, his girlfriend, Heather. After lunch, I went to Medford where I owned two tiny homes. It was time to collect rent. I parked on Kings Highway in front of the homes, knocked on the first door, no one answered. I went next door where Mike and Notion live. They were working outside. We had a long talk. I collected my rent. I got back into my car and was backing up when I noticed Stephanie and two of her children by the back door of the home. So I backed up and went to greet them. Stephanie had her newborn son, Oren, at her breast. Her 18-month-old son, Neon, was playing naked in the step behind her. As I approached, her partner, Danny, came around from the back of the home to greet me. I need to take a moment here to explain my complicated relationship with Danny, Stephanie, and their four children who live in my rental I first met Danny and Stephanie three years ago as I was working at the Ashland Community Resource Center in our old location on Clover Lane. Stephanie came in with Flash, then 10 months old at her breast, and Sora, not yet three, barefoot, walking behind her. They were looking for just about any way to stay warm and dry. Stephanie told how the family had been traveling, living in a school bus until it overheated in downtown Corvallis. When they couldn't get it to move, the police had it towed. Unable to pay the fees, they lost everything they ever owned. When they came to Ashland, they got a sleeping bag, some tents, tarps from St. Vincent de Paul. They moved in with Teepee Village, 10 miles up Buckhorn Springs, just outside of Ashland. When this relationship broke down, the family walked away, taking only the two children and the clothes on their backs. I served Flash, Sora, and Stephanie almost daily. The girls, both barefoot, wearing colorful dresses, Flash at his mother's breast. Stephanie would let me know what her needs were, what the needs were of the family, and they would leave. Over time, I heard more of their story. Danny was a veteran who had a severe case of PTSD they lived in this bus for years, traveling up and down I-5, going from festival to festival, enjoying their freedom. When I suggested that the VA might be of assistance, Stephanie warned me that even mentioning the veterans would frighten Danny. It would elicit a negative response. She was so right. The first time I mentioned to Danny that he might get assistance from the VA, he jumped up and ran out of the center. That first year, Stephanie and the children came to see me often. They wandered the streets of Ashland during the day, always dressed in colorful clothes, all three barefoot. Stephanie and Danny grew to trust me at the center Stephanie wrote notes telling me of the family needs, and I would help with what I could. Finally, I convinced Danny to meet with the representative from the VA. He couldn't go to their offices in White City. Luckily, I had established a relationship with their head housing person. She agreed to come to the ACRC to meet this family. The six of us, Danny, Stephanie, Flash, Sora, Leah and I met in a tiny room in the back of the ACRC. Three times during the meeting, Danny got up to leave. Each time I talked him into staying, he was barely able to hear the offer that Leah was making to him. At the end of our interview, she took Danny to White City, got him a military ID, brought him back to Iceland, opened a bank account for him. For the first time since his discharge from the army, Danny could cash his own disability check. Before that, he had to go to Spokane every month to cash the check with his father. Over the next two months, things began to move faster for the family. They got a Veterans Authority housing voucher. It's like a HUD voucher that allowed them to have the VA pay the largest portion of the rent. Their share would be only 30% of Danny's $800 per month disability check. They looked for a rental in Ashland to no avail. Their frustration was palpable every day. My renter gave notice. I offered them the opportunity to live in one of my rentals in Medford. This was not where they wanted to live. They had friends, significant relationships here in Ashland. Finally, they agreed just to look. The house is old and funky with a large yard. They had always wanted to live in the country, to have a farm. This space could be transformed into their dream. In December of 2014, the family moved into their first ever home. People from this church donated furniture and household goods they needed to truly have a home. When we were delivering the last load of furniture, Stephanie declared, you have shown us there are good people in this world. You have made our world seem safe. Back to the present. On this day, Danny and Stephanie talked about how they needed to clean up the mess in the driveway. Danny asked about doing some work in the garage. I got the rent. I was ready to leave when Stephanie handed the infant Oren to Danny. Danny immediately handed him back. He wants the nurse, he complained. I reached out my hand. May I hold him, I asked. Remembering the teaching from John Philip Newell, I began to look intently into Oren's eyes. Yes, indeed, I could see the image of God. As I stood mesmerized, staring into the two-week-old eyes, I was unwilling, unable to leave the presence of God. I remained transfixed as Stephanie began to tell the story of his birth. Lee, it was the longest birth I ever had. It took over two hours Thank you. It was Tuesday after the meal, Uncle Food's Diner. The food must have been bad. I was gassy and bloated. Wednesday morning, I felt worse. So I decided to take a shower. As I showered, I placed my hand inside of myself to see how open I was. I felt the crown of my child's head. I told Danny to fill the birthing tub. It took so long. When the tub was full, I got in. Then Danny joined me, he held me, he comforted me. He was the best birthing coach ever. The whole time I could feel my child's head. He came easily, it was such a good experience. Then she said, Danny has become such a good father to Neon, their 18 month old son. He is bonded with Neon, they get along so well. He's become the father I always dreamed he could be. Here, I uttered my first words in 10 minutes of her story. He is growing, I said. She continued to explain how much better Danny is doing as a father to their family. I had been intently peering into Oren's eyes in the presence of God as I had listened to Stephanie. Just listened for nearly 20 minutes. When her story was ended, I reluctantly, but gently handed Orin back and said, thank you, Stephanie. This has been a blessing. She whispered to me, Lee, all of my boys are growing up. As I walked away, I felt in my whole being what a holy experience this had been. God was present in Oren. God was present in Stephanie. God was present in our unusual relationship. John Phillips' teaching had gifted me with an extraordinary encounter of the sacred. I wept for the next 20 minutes. My question to myself is, why did I not see God and the others I met that day? My challenge to myself is to look closely at everyone. I know that if I do, I will see the face of God in each person that I meet.